This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Want to become the sort of developer top rail shops like ThoughtBot fight over? Join Upcase today to get the pro training, insider knowledge, access to ThoughtBot developers, and a community of like-minded learners you need. Hone core skills like Vim, Tmux, Git, and Rails by visiting upcase.com slash half off to get 50% off your first month of Upcase. Let's get that junior out of your title and start leveling up today with Upcase. Can you believe we've done 17 of these? Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> We're still great. I think I said I I think I said 50 is our mark. That's that's like when we we call it quits. I th- I think by 50 we'll be like all like old and retired with walking with canes. Do you still think we'll be awful <laughs> at, like once we're 50, 50 episodes in, do you think we'll still be I think we'll be just worse. Okay. I don't think we're getting any better. I, don't, I mean, I don't think, think we are either. <laughs> yeah, just like the, uh, today's outro was all over the place. I, I said iTunes. Like, I, I, it's like a, I don't know what I'm saying. Hello, this is the Tentative Podcast where we discuss product design. I'm Kyle Fiedler, and with me is. Red Aladdin. Yeah. So when you said that, I was I was thinking of a song because <laughs> you a said song? let's talk about CSS. Yeah, I was just like let's talk about CSS, baby. Let's talk about you. <laughs> okay, you, you know that song? I do not, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, who's who's the artist? Oh God, I don't know. It's like a '90s R&B. Oh hit. no, I'm gonna I... get hate mail for this. No, I. I don't recall anything like this i was thinking let's talk about uh css it's salt and pepper salt and pepper yeah it's spelled salt capital n pepper p-e-p-a pepper yeah, yeah. The 1991 kind of feels like i've heard it before but i can't really say for sure <laughs> uh, you know it's been a long time ago i was yeah. pretty young back then as can well. i play it for you this is gonna piss um, <laughs> we should we should link to it in the show notes. Oh wait, it's just gonna come through my headphones. Uh, uh no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's it. Won't. It's an advertisement. Uh, oh well. At any rate, yeah. yeah. And CSS. CSS is that was that song about CSS? No, it was let's talk about <laughs> sex, baby. No. <laughs> All right. Well, wait. I but the way that a, you wait, the way that you a, brought up the topic, you were like, let's talk about CSS. And I, was just uh, like, I think I should remind just, you this. It flowed. This is a, this is a family show. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it is. I mean, we don't swear, do we? I think I say. I don't know. I don't remember what I usually say, but I think we're not. We don't have the explicit label on iTunes. No, that's but I don't for think sure. me and you swear very much. No, we don't. Be, we should get. Why. We should get someone else on this podcast that swears, that a, swears lot. a lot. I like don't know Gordon. a lot of designers who swear. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, did you just say like Gordon? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Uh, I mean, he he is moving on <laughs> the champ of cursing in our uh, Slack room. A couple I, years I in a row now, right? Yeah, well, that's true. We but... should make him like a, a WWE belt. Yeah, I mean, I usually i I feel reluctant to swear in chat form. So in in like 
in like real life discussions, I do swear sometimes, but not in Slack. I just feel, I don't feel like, it just feels to me like when you swear in Slack, you take the time to type it. So you're not angry enough because I'm, when I'm angry <laughs> enough, I can't type stuff. So that's basically how I personally work. But yeah, I was thinking, let's talk about CSS. And that, I mean, what I was thinking is, what are what are the things we we like? I, w you often like hear people complaining about how CSS sucks, and it might or it might not. Some people like CSS, and I I just tweeted yesterday that one of the thing the good things about doing both like native and web is that whenever you 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 go to you, you know, like you you keep switching context context between the two, um, you always feel like a a breath of fresh air for like an hour <laughs> and and then <laughs> you start swearing again regardless of which one you like which like in, so for instance when i do web stuff like the first thing when i when i start doing it uh is wow i don't have to wait for stuff to build or to compile that's amazing live previews yay and then i start doing stuff and then i need to center this thing with this other thing in this other div well, good luck with that. You should use tables or even with tables, you should use tables and absolute positioning so that the element is at the bottom of the column aligned with another element, which is at the bottom of the other like article piece, which is technically in CSS is probably impossible unless you do some sort of JavaScript because the article could like grow taller. And that element, unless the element in the article is always in the same spot, you won't be able to match both. Uh, and this might not make sense, like without actually like showing what I'm talking about. But the the idea is like I get fed up with things like this. Like, yeah, layout sucks. Uh, I can't do what I want. It's very limited. Uh, I want to go back to native. Then I go back to native, and I have all these amazing tools. And wow, Swift, Coco, it's great. And then I, I I start like getting into Xcode, which is, to say the least, it's it it doesn't always do what you expect it to do, <laughs> and it's like in some workflows it becomes really hard to to preview the the changes. I mean, they Apple is doing their best to make that easier, but still it doesn't get to the level of of doing that on the web. So. And why I'm talking about this is basically yesterday I did a little bit of web after doing. Uh, native for a little while and I, I found some things nice at first and then all of a sudden I started like swearing again because of CSS and I was thinking what are the specific things that like we use CSS almost every day and when I say CSS that also uh, means SAS uh, or SCSS so both and I was curious to know like what are your personal pet peeves with CSS or like things you would like to see drastically improved things that you would probably like to see removed and like let's suppose that css is no longer done by a committee it's done by kyle fiedler so what would you what would you do with css Let, let's start with your pet peeves maybe that's easier so uh, are we just gonna bitch about css for half an hour no let's start with your <laughs> well actually it depends if you want if you want to talk about what you like in CSS, go ahead, and then I'll talk about what I don't like in CSS. <laughs> Whatever, man. Do you like CSS? Do you love CSS? I have a love-hate relationship with CSS. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I think it depends on the day that you talk to me and, and like <laughs> what, what I've been trying to do. 
um, the, the time of the day, not yeah. just like the day, because it's a love-hate relationship on an hourly basis. <laughs> True. <laughs> One of the things that I've been struggling a lot with more recently is like how you apply the style. So like I know a bunch of designers here have started using BEM. I've started using a lot more heavy-handed class system, which is basically what BEM is, instead of applying it directly to elements. It's just kind of funny to me that, like, I was talking to the developer here, like, I used to do that when I was learning CSS, not BEM, but, like, heavily favored classes. And then I got away from that with SAS, or maybe even before that. So, like, how you apply the CSS is one of my biggest struggles. I don't know if it's, like, just my... The way that I think about CSS or I don't know um, that. And then just sometimes layout like floats weren't meant for layout. I think we're finally getting into Flexbox and there's still some, some things that you can't do with Flexbox that I really wish you could do. Do you have something in mind or not off the top of my head? Like, I just feel like every time I do layout now, it's a weird combination of float layout inline block and uh, flexbox. Whereas before it was just, I guess it was the same thing where it was float inline block and display table, you know, flexbox has just removed that, that table. Like I, I don't feel a need for display table anymore because I have flexbox cause they serve a similar purpose to me. Uh, flexbox yeah. is, is seemingly a little bit more flexible than display table. Yeah, hence the name. Yeah, I guess. Is that how they came up with it? <laughs> I'm not sure. It's a committee. <laughs> I have like comments on each one of these things, but uh, let's stay a little bit big picture here. Um, so you mentioned like how to apply the CSS and the layout. Did you make like solutions to this that you feel you're happy with? Like that, not solutions, but I would say like... Mm, code that you copy paste from one project to another <laughs> that you're happy with that solves one or, or both of these problems. Neat solved that problem before Flexbox. Solved. solved. I like that. It's, it's in the past. <laughs> uh, like it's, it's not it, necessarily. It no <laughs> well, it was like for a, a while there, it was the sole tool that I needed. That's uh, right. And now with Flexbox, Neat doesn't, as of right now, Neat doesn't do anything with Flexbox. And maybe this is the argument for us to include Flexbox into Neat. But Neat was the the layout solution. I mean, the, they're still, you know, you're you're limited by what CSS can do with Neat. Like, yeah. And floats and display table and inline block. And I don't know. Like, to me, the fact that there's at any point in, in a project that there's like three types of tools that I'm using for layout and they all don't really work is a problem. So recently the the most recent project that I'm working on the desktop the the wide screen big screen version whatever you want to call it it has a bar at the top navigation bar at the top and a sidebar on the left because of the way that like the content in the app like I wanted those two things to be fixed. Yeah. And in order to do that, the the main top bar is easy. You just use position 
fixed and it stays there and it's awesome. But the left sidebar, I have to do this really janky calculation to get the um, height of it. Like I can't just say do the full width except for this top bar. I have to like figure out what the top bar width is or height is and then subtract that from basically a hundred percent view height, which calc does, which is super handy. But but like that, the fact that I have to do that is like, it it doesn't, it feels like hack. Yeah. Um, Like there's no reason why that top bar can't, the height of that top bar can't grow, but once that does, it's going to be overlapping that sidebar. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah I understand. This problem is very common in CSS, where like two elements depend on each other, but there's no way in CSS to to communicate that sort of information. So you have to like just hard code it using. You can use variables, but that like in SAS, but that's not any better because you guess that this thing is 260 pixels tall, but if you add another thing, you have to change that value again. So it's not dynamic. But for the layout you're suggest, suggesting or you're talking about, uh, would, it, would it have been possible to make the main content area fixed height and then make it scrollable instead of using position fixed? Because to be honest, I, I really try to avoid position fixed. I don't think I've used it in the last two or three years uh, because it's, it's really like uh, it doesn't work on mobile. And obviously you can remove it with media queries, but it still feels weird in, in a lot of situations to, to use that. So there is that. Yeah. I didn't, I, I feel like that's more of a hacked up situation than what I have now. Yeah. And the problem is that if you end up with a, a sidebar that has more content, then it, it will be scrollable as well. And you end up with a main content area that's scrollable and a separate sidebar that's scrollable. And that's no, no fun either. <laughs> so yeah, I, I get the, the point, at least from an interaction point of view. I mean, implementation is not hard, but uh, it's confusing. Right. But yeah, I, I totally hear you. Uh, and so usually like I would, the first thing I would think of when you, when I hear something like this and either that, yeah, CSS sucks for this sort of stuff. But recently I've been thinking of it from a different perspective. Like, yes, CSS wasn't made to make this sort of, uh, layout it, right it was made to style documents with headings uh tables separators images figures stuff like that like you know data and now we're using it to do all these like application layouts and yeah i mean the backlash will be there because it's it's not wasn't made for that purpose and as as like yeah we can totally use it but then you have to do a lot of like Banding backwards and stuff like that. It was to, also to started. To work. Like, it's been added on to, but like it started when HTML was super simple and the screens were at the very most 800 pixels wide, and like they didn't have to deal with mobile uh, no. devices. Like, yeah, I think the the core of C- CSS, which works really well, is like, or what I think works really well is the. Uh, typography styling. I mean, there's still a bunch of stuff in there that like could be better for type. Yeah, sure. But like, as long as you embrace the fact that you can't kern or the letter open spacing, type, op- yeah, is, open type is, features, basically. Yeah, 
being able to style typography is, is fairly easy and it, it's like it cascades. <laughs> I, I can give you so, that. It's, it's, it's easier to do on web than on mobile. Even though on, on mobile or, or native you have more control and you can do kerning and all of that stuff, but the setup required is really like off-putting. Whereas like on the web you can do things like changing the line height and stuff like that really easily. Although why are they calling it line height and not tracking or or like why are they not using the actual like typography terms? Yeah, this I don't is one, know. This, this is one of my beefs with CSS is that it feels like designed by committee. Just look at the flex flexbox spec. It makes zero sense without reading the the documentation. And even after reading the documentation, if you don't look at at a example you won't understand <laughs> what's going on like just the names like uh justify uh items justify uh, like was it align items justify content why like why aren't it both like something more that makes more sense like justify along axis or justify along like I, I don't know it's just like it doesn't make sense it feels like they just pick uh, to be honest, I'm not sure how it works, like how those things get named what they are, but it feels like they're designed by committee. Like I like Flexbox. It's amazing at what it's supposed to do, but the the API, like the this the syntax is just terrible and, and I'm I keep I keep always thinking I'm gonna write a small wrapper in, in SAS to, to make it a little bit more easy to use but I, I keep forgetting i think by now i'm used to those you know those those stupid names the uh -huh. stupid apis so i don't feel the need for it as much as i did but it's still they don't make sense when i take a step back like what what is this uh, like and they're like and they're like the shorthands like uh flex flow which is a shorthand for flex direction and flex um what's it, the other one i forgot and yeah, it's just they feel like randomly picked names uh, that don't really say much. Uh, so that's that's my gripe with CSS in general, is that it doesn't feel like a thing that a uh, that's designed coherently, because there are so many people involved, and also like there's a lot of backward um, legacy that keeps being like staying there. So you end up with tons of, of things and obviously they have prob and problems with naming. So they need to come up with names that don't clash with something existing. So it, it just keeps going that way. And my worry is that if, if one day like CSS doesn't throw everything and starts from scratch with uh, the, the modern like use case in mind, it will always feel like the wrong tool to do the sort of like advanced UIs and interactions on, on like because they they keep always adding stuff to it and they never remove stuff or not as much and that's usually a bad sign of a product or a service or software because it end up it ends up being bloated and mm. and stuff like that and also there's the problem of that you mentioned of applying CSS and that's a huge problem that's like the biggest issue of CSS <laughs> overall is uh no i mean you can call it different things some people call it namespacing i think namespacing is just one solution but it could be actually the the easiest solution i i think i have seen somewhere or that it's probably planned to have namespacing in css or they're working on it but regardless uh it's it's uh without that it's it's really like terrible to use and when it's something is terrible you end up with people trying to come up with solutions the problem is that those solutions are all not elegant and they just make it, end up making it more terrible. So like 
like for instance BEM, that's that's basically just taking something that's bad and just making it worse. Because <laughs> yes, it solves the problem of namespacing between like six levels of quotes, but it introduces a lot of uh, like it's it's still it's still like error prone because it's there's the human factor. That, so I it, like I name those things myself. I type them. And unless there's a way that automatically does that that I'm not aware of, as long as I'm typing them and and though they are just tr- strings, then it's you're not really solving the problem. What I want is a way to say, for instance, all the CSS file will only be applied in this specific like context or namespace, and everything that's that's inside the CSS file uh, is just specific to this to this namespace. That way, you can call use the same classes in different contexts and they won't clash. And you can, for instance, style the article element in this namespace and it won't affect 200 other like article elements in other places, um, if you see what I mean. So what, the reason why we've been using classes and BEM and all of these like uh, OOCSS or whatever, all of these solutions is basically trying to come up with sane ways to uh, make CSS more usable. But in my personal opinion, none of them succeeds, and actually a lot of them just end up making the fact of like the you know the, the sorry the act of writing CSS a lot worse because you have to not only you have to keep track of what is what what is a component what is a this what is a that and uh, and each one has its own like uh, are like ways of naming things and ways of organizing things which means that if you do more than one you 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 will have to remember all of that and none of none of it is is solid in terms of like preventing human error because it's still like just a class for css it doesn't care you put underscores or asterisks or 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 like the new uh taco emoji it doesn't matter it's still a class uh so i wish css had something of like more something like uh native to it that allows it to to be more like you know, something I don't know. It could be, and I don't know how the implementation is going to end up looking like. It could pretty much end up looking like SAS, where you nest stuff. But if I can nest stuff, but still not end up with uh, a CSS that uh, that has all the the parents listed in the selector, then I'd probably be happy. If you see what I mean. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Because like nesting is not really the problem. It's not the visual nesting that bothers me. It's the fact that it outputs everything, all the parents in front of which it, which makes it yeah, which makes and it more it, clunky CSS and more specific CSS. Yeah. Well, so it, this is another interesting topic that you you mentioned earlier that you use, you prefer classes or you use only classes. I don't use only classes, but I've started to prefer them again. Uh, again, because there was a point where you didn't. <laughs> so there was a point at which just getting onto SAS, I feel like I started nesting things more and being able to have a thing that had a class, a container with a bunch of children. And each one of the children didn't need a class because I could just style. I knew in that component that the H1 was going to be the title and this unordered list was going to look this way. And um, I would start styling things like that and just put the, apply the style directly on the element. Use IDs? Nope. I never really have. Why? Uh, I think for for applications, I'm always I'm always scared that they're going to be reused somewhere. So IDs are only supposed to be put on the page once, and there's always a chance 
that that ID will be reused. Like I, I know we've kind of beaten SVG to death, but a lot of um, a lot of the exporters put IDs in the SVG code, and I'll drop an SVG in a couple places, and then that's technically invalid HTML, um, which uh, I guess nags at me. So I've always liked the fact that classes are reusable and you can have multiples on the page and I could breathe easy knowing that I'd never, even if like some, for some reason, like the main navigation got duplicated, like I would feel confident knowing that I didn't duplicate IDs on the same page. (laughs) That's probably crazy. (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> yeah so yeah i so this is when i joined thoughtbot this is the thing that i was taught like not used ids and to be honest i didn't use them even before joining thoughtbot but recently i started using them again when it makes sense because i think um if there is if i have one testimonial section in this entire project and there is no chance there will be another testimonial section because those usually only are in the homepage then I'll give it a class of like section, like landing page section, but I'll still give it ID of testimonial section. And if there are specific things I need to do with this testimonial section, like uh, adding more spacing around the the testimonials or something like that, I'll probably do it in, in the ID. And the reason is I tried doing classes for everything and that's fine, it works. But like, it's still like, basically you're, you're writing code for a future that is not here yet. And that's usually a bad thing in programming to optimize prematurely. So yes, this might be reused and this also might be reused and then all of these might be reused. So let's just put classes everywhere. But the truth of of the matter is that a lot of them will never be reused. And uh, you're basically, I'm not gonna talk about performance because with today's computer class or ID doesn't matter. Uh, but still, like, I, I still like think a cleaner code is a code that does the absolute minimum. And if I if I have a style that's only one spot in this iteration, I'll probably do it with an ID and let let the ID like tackle that. And later, if I need to reuse it, then then that's that's like a good uh, excuse to. Re- I'd probably leave the ID, but I'd take the styles away from the ID and put them in a class or like in an extend or whatever. There are a lot of tools out there. But the the gist of it is that I don't want to lock myself from a tool just because it, it has high chances of making things bad. It also has its uses, and I would use it when it makes sense to use it. Right. I just don't see the I the benefit to using an ID over a class. Even in that situation, like I would rather add a class for those specific styles because of what I just said. I mean, the performance gain that you get, even though you don't want to talk about it, is is su- slightly significant. I mean, it's like milliseconds. No, and- no it's, it's fine. It's really small, especially if you have like one or two IDs. It's not. Also, IDs are more performant than classes. As long as you're applying style directly to the ID, yes, yes any children right. within the ID, then it gets a lot less performant. And I, I guess that's that's other the other reason um, why I prefer. Like I just would rather not have that decision tree in my head and always go directly to a class. Like if, for me, there's no gain 
by adding IDs. Like I don't, I don't get any benefit. The code gets little benefit um, from an ID as opposed to the safe sleep that I get at night knowing that I'll never <laughs> have to worry about duplicating IDs. And uh, if I nest something under a class, like I don't have to worry about um, the performance of it. Yeah. I mean, those are valid points, but some, some classes to me, they don't read like classes anymore. Like, like you would, you would have a class called right section text testimonials. And there's only one right section testimonial that to me, that's a bad class name because it's too specific if you see what I mean. So I, I have this like dogmatic view of what is a class and what is an ID and what is, I don't know, a data uh, element. And and to me, like if you, if something is that specific, it's probably not the right thing to use for a class. But then like I understand that that's what we've been doing and it's hard to break away from that practice. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that IDs are the solution to all problems, but I'm saying that sometimes if you don't have, if you don't, you're not nesting generic elements, and you just want to do a couple of tweaks, like, hey, I just want to add the margin bottom to this specific element. Uh, like, I wouldn't be as offended today to see an ID used there to 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 add that margin mm-hmm. than I was, say, like two years ago. Because, like, at some point, it was just like I see an ID and all, like, sort of like the like all the uh, the warnings start like uh, raising in my in my in my brain, like all the alarms and right. all of that stuff. I think what uh, we're getting at now, though, it's, it's, it's not, it's not really the case now we're getting at, I guess the biggest problem with CSS, which is like every person who writes CSS has a different way that they want to write it. And it's great for projects where there's one designer on the project and they're the only ones writing CSS and they can like have, a mental model of how they're writing it and and where they're putting all the styles. But once you have more than one person editing that um, is where we come up with solutions like BEM and OCSS and you stuff. Mean problems. Like... <laughs> yeah. Conventions. I'll call them conventions. Yeah. I love conventions. And there's no solid set of conventions and like, I still consider that a good thing. Like still at ThoughtBot, we don't have a solid set of conventions because some people do really enjoy BEM and some people uh, do other sorts of ways of styling. And as long as people are consistent on the project, but there's still that learning curve for the new designer that comes on the project. That's the problem. That is like... (laughs) We we rotate people. And when when you rotate someone into a, a complex project they have trouble getting started and it, it would probably take them weeks before they start figuring out what to do um the, my the main gripe i have this is not really the topic because those are things on top of css but i think we can talk about them as well is that they add a layer of complexity that's not enforced by machines you still like like you can't you see like you can still like screw up uh, like i would go into a bem project and i can screw stuff up and of course, like someone reviewing the PR would point me to that. But to me, like a set of rules that you can't make them uh, automatically uh, like uh, applicable, say like uh, with a style guide, like something like Hound or stuff like that. To me, that's just a waste of time because uh, as someone who's writes, who writes the code, you need to be actively trying to, to keep those rules in check. And as someone who's reviewing it, you have to actively be checking them and 
to, the system really doesn't care. To CSS, as I said earlier, those are not something like there are not things that the CSS cares about. And when we rotate people into a new project and they're not familiar with that thing, well, actually, they can they can be familiar with it and still have trouble because even BEM, I have seen several ways of of doing it depending on the people. Like there isn't a like hard and, and fast rule about what is what is what in a BEM like there are there are like approximations but I I often like hear people asking oh should this be a component or yes and you can say those are not expert in BEM but they don't have to be like we use CSS and they have to be good at CSS not good at BEM or this or that because there's so many too and they're quite different. Right. But I think we have those issues no matter what. Like BEM, they're coming to the forefront because it's a very specific guideline of how you should be naming your classes. In other cases, there's still like the creator of the CSS hopefully has some intent behind how they're organizing their CSS. And having another designer come in and not know why they organized the CSS the way they did, they'll just end up inadvertently screwing up that organization system. And that's what happens usually, regardless of whether you're using BEM or not. (laughs) What I think you're getting at, though, is is super interesting, is like having uh, the W3C come down and tell us, hey, this is how you need to name your classes. And if you don't, I'd get a SAS compiler or a CSS compiler where it just would not read the CSS. That, to me, is super interesting because then it is being enforced at a larger scale. And like, I wouldn't mind that kind of direct yeah. organization. So maybe that's the solution for that problem. Yeah. And I, I, I see that happening, but knowing how long it takes for CSS to evolve, it takes time for big features to, to be implemented by old browsers. So I'm not, I haven't done my research on namespacing. <laughs> in CSS, I've seen it mentioned a couple of times on on my Twitter timeline, but um, and I think they must they must be working on something because it's a wide problem and everyone is aware of it. But until that happens, I'm in favor of keeping things simple and reducing nesting, reducing uh, name complexity by just keeping things simple, uh, uh, like simple names, straightforward names, and yeah, just try try to keep things. In a, done in a way that anyone who who looks at that code would, would at least know a little bit of what's going on, um, mm-hmm. uh, because like oh like complexity always backfires. It's not just in CSS, you know, like in SAS or in any well any domain really. And when you complicate, so at some point we were very like excited about what we can do in SAS, and at some point like. There was like all sorts of like hacks. We're using like maps and uh, like SAS maps and all of that. And it was, it was, I mean, it was interesting to see that you can do all of that stuff. But at the same time, it made it really hard to follow what's going on in a certain uh, like uh, project, unless you have, you're the one who wrote that code. And that's usually not a good thing when you're working on a multi uh, or like in a team uh you know, you're just one member of the team. Right. So I've been favoring simplicity over, over like, you know, smart solutions and, and amazing like wrappers around CSS and stuff like that. Cause like simplicity, like I can still open the same file I've written say a year and a half ago and I would still 
I will still be able to make modifications and, and change stuff. Whereas if I if I if I use those complex solutions, maybe by the time I open them, uh, I I forgot even like that that thing existed or that we 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 used to use it at some point. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the guides that we have at Popbot, which we can put in the show notes, are basically along those lines. Yeah, I agree with you. Like a lot of the stuff that I did even a year ago was probably a lot more complicated, a lot more nesting. I used like SAS maps and loops in my CSS a lot more than I probably should have just because they were new and sexy. Um, and now I like, I force myself to have a reason to use those kinds of things and mostly just rely on SAS for nesting one to two selectors deep. Yeah. And then variables. Right. I guess at this point I can I can confidently say that I'm the closest to not being dependent on SAS as I've ever been. Like actually because I dealt with uh I I keep every once in a while dealing with like vanilla CSS in some setup that doesn't have SAS. Uh I forgot when when I had to do that last time, but yeah, it's it's a common thing now that you might uh, that I just favor writing vanilla CSS. And yes, I miss variables, uh, but... When will sim- uh, CSS variables be supported? I guess CSS 4 or 5? I don't know. Yeah, right uh, now I, it's not supported across the... There, there's some drafts, I guess. Firefox there's a draft, supports right? it, but that's okay. it. <laughs> yeah, and the syntax is not... I don't like it. Double as dashes. Much as I like yeah, as, as yeah, as much as I like the one in SAS. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I just wish they picked SAS and merged it with CSS. That would make things easier. Right. Uh, oh, you also have to put. <laughs> yeah. When you use it, you have to put it in var and then parentheses. Oh yeah, it feels very like like you're writing C or or Swift or something. It feels like a programming language. Yeah. Which C is clearly not. Maybe they want to make it a programming language, but. I don't think they should. Um, like CSS is like the concept of it is great. Like just a list of properties that affect different things of of the of whatever document you're looking at, and that the concept is amazing. And people tried to to port it to native, uh, and it worked for some cases, didn't work for others. But it's it's a compelling idea of being able to have a a a map of like properties to values. Uh, the sad part is that you can't do some advanced things like like loops or, or, or arrays or, you know, all of that stuff that SAS brought uh, from other languages. But at the same time, I feel like it keeps CSS simple and simple always trumps uh, more features with with like a complicated like, uh, well, a complicated set of features because it's, you know, it's easy for people to jump in. And jump out. Right. Uh, like, I think, so I think that's the thing that I like most about it, and HTML for that matter, is, like, they aren't programming languages. So, like, all you need to understand is, is markup and then how you want to style it. And, and yes, layout is still, like, I have no solution for it. I, I have no idea how to make that better. But no. that is the one hard thing about CSS is, is doing layout. Um, other than that, everything else is fairly, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's not as complex as a programming language. No, it's it, it definitely not. And 
speaking of layout, just to wrap up this discussion, I've been so recently I've been using Flexbox when I can, mm-hmm. but I also have been like favoriting like vertical layouts, like one column vertical layouts whenever I can. And the good thing or the good news is that a lot of our landing pages these days are pretty much just a vertical <laughs> list of things with, you know, those like three or four features that you can easily do with Flex. So to, to an extent, I'm happy that that like the home, like the homo, how do I say that word? Make something homogenous, homogenization. Oh, home, home. Help me. Homogenization. Homogenization. <laughs> No, um, yeah, that that one is a hard name. Homogenita, damn it, homogenization. There you go, homogenization, homogenization. All right, I'm not, I'm not saying this again. Yeah, uh, I, I'm happy that like we have a, a homogenous like like aesthetic for landing pages nowadays. Yeah, so this this thing I'm happy because we it's easier to implement because I remember like around 2012 13 like there was this crazy like trend of trying to do like print layout level stuff in css and it's i feel like it's coming back with css regions and columns and all of that but at least those are officially supported or they will be uh and now i just favor like a column of things and that's it maybe two columns next to each other uh so i'm happy that things got simpler for me Maybe boring too, and a lot of people uh, think that too. Like, things got a little bit boring on the web because people have been favoring uh, like clean code and markup over like exciting like layouts and stuff. And yeah, I mean to some degree, it, I mean it's debatable, uh, but I'm fine with simple and boring as long as it does its job. I'm totally okay with it. Uh, I'm not. I'm not upset that not every landing page looks like a, a modern art museum. <laughs> I think this is a topic for another. Uh, it totally show. is the the aesthetic of landing pages. I think next the episode aesthetic of only the web in tentative. <laughs> Let's do that. I, not not just landing pages, but I think we should talk about um, design in general and what people call the drivelization of design let, let, and. And no, I would like to call it the homonization <laughs> of design. <laughs> That's not German. <laughs> Are you sure? No, I don't think so. Okay. Maybe Swedish. Swedish. All right. Thank you for listening. This was Tentative uh, 17. 17. You can find the show notes on tentative.fm slash 17. You can follow us on Twitter at tentativefm, one word. And you can... Also, send us an email uh, at hosts at tentative.fm. We don't accept spam, but we're happy to hear from you. If you have any feedback, positive or negative. Um, Yes, you can also like uh, rate us on iTunes uh, or iTunes. That's what they call it. That would be nice. Yeah, thank you.